Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Of Abraham. In the life of Abraham, where we have kind of built it up to is Abraham is a hundred, his wife Sarah is 90, and they're believing God for a miracle child. They've been promised that they'll be the, the father and mother of nations and of a great nation. Three men, three random strangers show up at their front door, and Abraham jumps to it, and he jumps right into service with extravagant hosting. These three men say, we will be back in one year. And when we come back in one year, you will be pregnant with a son. There's all this energy and excitement. They come back. The son of promise is now here in the form of Isaac. Right after the son of promise is, is born, well, I, I, say, I say right after, the next passage of Scripture tells us, but it probably has been at least 25 years, perhaps 30 years. Now, this son of promise, Isaac, God asks Abraham, will you lay down your son as a sacrifice and to sacrifice him back to me? This seems like this crazy, weird scripture that that God has called a man to kill his own son in order be, to be obedient to God. That's just, that's just wild, isn't it? It's just a fascinating passage of Scripture. And Abraham says, yes, I'll do it. It says, early the next morning he got up and he went up the mountain. There's this thing that we see constantly in the life of Abraham. It says, early the next day or, or the next day or immediately Abraham obeyed. There's this instant obedience that we see in the life of of Abraham many times. We talked about this idea of to pre-decide because sometimes when we're forced with the decision that we don't necessarily want to do, then we're stuck in do I have to do I have to do it? Do I have to eat healthy or can I have a cheat meal? Do I do I have to get up and work out or do I can I just sleep in? Do I have to give this morning or can I hold back some money for myself? Do I really want to go worship this morning? I mean my gosh, like, guys, like my wife's not coming. She's sick or she's watching the grandbabies. That, do I have to really come? Here's what's pretty neat is I see Wilbur walking in this morning to worship, and his wife is not with him. She's at a quilting show, but Wilbur c- continues to come here to worship. Tom is here. His wife is sick, but Tom shows up. Come on, man. I love that. There's a pre-decision. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Perhaps if we don't make these predecisions, well, it's been a busy weekend and I need to mow. So I'm just going to stay home and mow. Or I need to get caught up on laundry and so I'm going I'm to fold clothes this morning. And we negotiate things that we haven't already predecided that we are going to be in the house of the Lord. We are going to worship this morning. It's predecisions. And so we see in the life of, of Abraham, he's predecided whatever God has called me to, I'm going to say yes. So he jumps up and he hosts. He says yes to having this son. He says yes to laying down uh, this, this son's life. There's this constant yes in a pre-deciding state of Abraham. So he has this son. There's only two chapters in the Bible where we actually say, see Abraham and Isaac together. The first one is when Isaac is born and Abraham circumcises his son. 
The only other time we see these guys together is 25 to 30 years later, and Abraham is now taking a knife to his son again to sacrifice him. The two occasions that they're together, Abraham's coming at him with a knife. The heck is that? Fascinating, right? The only other time they're together, later on in Scripture, but Abraham's already gone, and it says that Isaac comes back to bury his father. But aside from that, we really don't see these two men engaging too much in the Scriptures. And I don't want to read it into anything that's not in the text, not saying that there was a bad relationship or, or any sort of a split, but Abraham, after Isaac was born, Abraham was 100. He lived to be 175 years old. They had a chance to document a 75-year relationship, and we have none of it. Just fascinating that there's not much relationship going on for these 75 years. We don't have it. But here's where we left off. It was in Genesis chapter 22. And, and I don't have the scriptures up here today. I would like for us to hold the scriptures. So if you can, grab your Bibles. And if you're in the pew, you're using the pew back Bible, I believe it's page 14. Genesis chapter 22 is where we left off. And in verse 19, it says, Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. So they're on top of the mountain, Abraham and Isaac. It says that Abraham comes back down. Does not say that Isaac comes back down, but Abraham is the one who returns. And then Abraham stays in Beersheba. Beersheba means, uh, the bear means well, and Sheba means oath. It's, it's the well of the oath. Or it means the well of seven. This was, a, this was a time whenever Abraham and Abimelech, they had a meeting together. They made an oath, and there was seven um, sacrificial sheep that were, that were exchanged. It's the well of 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 an oath. It's a well of promises that are being made. This is where he returns. We then go into chapter 23. Sarah, his wife, lived to be 127 years old. It's fascinating. Abraham went on to live like another 50 years. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 40 years after Sarah passed. She died at Kirat Arab, that is Hebron, uh, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. And he said, I am a foreigner and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for the burial site here so I may bury my dead. Coming up on age has been a thing that we focused on this year, there's a lot of big-time birthdays that have happened that are, are happening this year. Um, as Pastor Andrew's turning 30 today, we're also celebrating my grandfather. He's turning 90 years old. Ronnie, this last Tuesday, turned 10, so now she's a big, bad teenager. Um, this later in October, I'm turning 40. There's like these big, monumental birthdays that are happening, and we see this big, monumental moment in history. The mother of the nations, the mother of our faith, has now passed away. It says, then Sarah dies. I just want us to kind of recap Abraham's life and put ourselves in Abraham's shoes because life is going to be very hard sometimes. Can anybody say amen to that? Life 
can be very hard sometimes. And for a century, Abraham has a promise that he's going to have a son. And for a century, he has no answers to these prayers. And there are, there, the heavens are silent seemingly, and there's no delivery on these promises. I don't know about you, but if God doesn't answer in about 48 hours, I get a little, I get a little jittery, a little, little nervous. For, for a hundred years, it is hope deferred. It is hope deferred. God, would you just save my husband? God, would you save my wife? God, you would you restore my heart, the heart of my children? He's, he's hoping and he's hoping and he's hoping. Finally, it comes to pass. And then God says, we're going we're gonna to kill him. We're going to sacrifice this son. And even though God provides the sacrificial ram in the thicket, it seems like there's a wedge in the relationship. I don't know about you, but if my dad comes at me with a knife, it might make the relationship a little bit awkward. And Abraham comes back down the mountain by himself, and we don't see Isaac for a long time. Something is, is playing out. So now Abraham potentially loses relationship with his son. Now his wife is dead, and this passage to me seems so lonely. It says now Abraham is in a, is in a foreign land. He's a foreigner. In somebody else's land. He doesn't even have a plot to bury his own wife. He went to Beersheba. It says that she's living in Hebron. They're not even together. It says that he has to go to her to mourn for her. His wife dies while he's not even around. So he goes to her, mourns for her. They're in this foreign land. He has to buy somebody else's tombstone. Man, we don't even live here. Can I have some land? It doesn't get much worse than this. Abraham, as being the father of our faith, probably one of the biggest uh, uh, heroes of the faith in the modern day has been Billy Graham, as it comes to American mega players in Christian history. Billy Graham, who was filling stadiums, and, and I, I've seen Billy Graham twice. I saw him um, in Cincinnati at the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium sitting outside. It was unbelievable, and seeing this massive people just fill I mean, the, 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 the football field coming up to repent and to give their lives to Jesus. I saw him in Minnesota, um, when I, in, the, in the Minnesota Twins uh, indoor stadium. I mean, it was absolutely packed. We're sitting so far up. Michael W. Smith sang. We all wrapped our arms around each other and swayed as he sang, Friends are friends forever. We were in junior high. We, that's what we did. We were feeling the moment, man. And he was singing, friends are friends forever, and we were doing this moment, and then Billy Graham comes out, and he has this unbelievable message, and people are turning their hearts to the Lord. Abraham is, is leading the people, and he's amassed this, this so that, that, that he had so much wealth that people were asking him, man, we got to divide because there's just so many sheep, and there's so many uh, goats, and there's so much land and property, like we, we just can't handle you guys here. The land can't sustain how much you guys have. He was this huge deal and he's leading people and just just people that lived in his house he had 318 servants and people that were ready to go off to war and at one point his 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 brother-in-law Laban gets into or nephew Laban gets into some to some troubles and and he goes in and he wipes out the enemy king and rescues back his his nephew like Abraham's this bad dude like he's for real he's he's awesome yet at one point, he doesn't trust Jesus or just trust God enough that he believes his wife that he ought to try to make babies with his maidservant, Hagar, and they have Ishmael. And then he sends her away, sends his, his 
maidservant and another child. Just sends him away. It says that he gave him a loaf of bread and a skin of water. Hey, here's a water bottle. Here's a piece of bread. Go. I want us to maybe think as a father or a mother, relationships perhaps with former relatives or relationships with children that have just been tough. Then Abraham, we see this this moment here where after he sends her away, this thing gets a little bit wonky with Isaac. Then his wife is dead and now he's alone as a foreigner in an empty land. The same thing similarly happened to Billy Graham and and Ruth Graham as their kids. They saw this dad who was just following Jesus. And yet they walked through divorce and drug and alcohol abuse where they rebelled against their parents and against the Lord. Franklin Graham actually even wrote a book after he turned his life around called Rebel with a cause. In Fairmount, we have rebel without a cause, right? We've got, let's go look at this other picture real quick. Here's the iconic picture, right? Here's James Dean. He is a rebel without a cause. But then Franklin Graham, look, he's got his leather jacket on, and he is the rebel with a cause. He's like, man, I was a rebel, but I've turned my heart back to the Lord. But for years, this was like the shadow that loomed over Billy Graham's life. I don't know if there's ever any shadows that you're like, man, I just wish it was some, sh- some sunshine. But there's like a, there's cast of a shadow with this relationship with my son. And Franklin Graham was out there running around and partying, and yet dad was Father Abraham, and the son was just somewhere else. God, you promised. God, I was hopeful. God, I was believing you. And I just believe that God wants to come near right now and just comfort some parents, maybe some siblings as you're aching for a brother or for a sister. Maybe for some spouses, grandparents that are just aching right now. God, I've just tried my best to follow you and to believe in you, and I tried to obey you, and why is this thing just kind of leaving me alone? And I'm just a foreigner in an empty land. You just have to keep going and do what you know to do. As Billy Graham just continues to keep going and doing what he knew to do, Abraham continues to keep going. You just have to follow Jesus and trust the story. God, I'm going to trust you on this. I'm going to believe you on this one. I believe that you're going to turn this story around. So now in Genesis chapter 24, look at this. And now Abraham was very old. And the Lord had promised him, uh, had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living. But I will go to my, but you will go to my country and to my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land. Shall I take your son back to the country that you came from? An interesting question here. Let's break this down. 
the servant, Abraham's at the end of his life. His son is still not married. They're, he's, they're, they're not living together. And he's saying, I want you to go back to the land of my family. I'm still living in this foreign land. Go back to the land of my family to find someone because we're not going to marry the Philistines. We're not marrying the, the Egyptians. We're going to marry from the tribe of Abraham, okay? And I want you to find some of our kin. We're going to marry there. And he says, do you want me to bring her back to a place that Isaac's not even at? Now, you might think, man, that's a, that's a pretty far reach. You don't know that Isaac's not living there. We're going to read here in just a moment. They're going to tell us where Isaac is living, and he's not with his dad. Bring her back to the land that, my son, that, that your son's not even at? Yes, in hopes that my son would return, right? Here's the other thing that I like about this, is Abraham, even though his son is not with him, and maybe some of the relationship has gone a little haywire, he continues to do what he should do as a father. And as a father, what the fathers would do is they were the ones that would go and they would find wives for their sons. Or they would look together with another family and they would put their, hey, my daughter would fit in good with your son. Hey, your son would be good for my daughter. And they would have these arranged marriages, not so much that it was forced, but they'd just been like recruiting each other, not just looking at her, but saying, hey, we ought to like look at her parents also. Like we need to look at, we need to look at Rekev. I don't know. We need to look at Rekev. Like, I, I heard that he's like a, like a shady business guy. Like, he doesn't use, like, fair scales. Ugh. I don't know if we want to marry into that family. Hey, have you thought about, have you thought about uh, Nabal? I don't know. Is that, a, that sounds like a place. Have you thought about, about, about his kids? Because he is, he is trustworthy and he has integrity. And, and I, we, want, we want to marry into a family that they've been raised right. And, and so they're looking together. And so the father is very involved. Can you imagine today if we just left the decision up to teenagers on who they're going to get married to? Oh, yeah, we already do that. Yeah, that's how our society works. But in their society, they were unbelievably engaged in the process of this. And the parents would, like, work this thing out. So let's, let's check this out. Abraham is staying engaged the best that he can with his son. And I just want to encourage you, stay engaged the best that you can. Even if it's tough, even if it's weird, even if there's separation or we're not, really not together or it didn't really go as planned or, man, I was hoping for something totally different here. Stay in the game the best that you can. And so Abraham's saying, my role, I'm still the father. I'm still the dad. And I have a responsibility before God to walk this thing out with my kids. So he comes together with his, with his servant and he says, hey, we got to go get a girl. We got to get a girl for my, for my son. And so he does what he knows to do. Verse 6, make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven who brought me out of my father's household and my native land who spoke to me and promised me on an oath. There it is. I'm banking on the promises of God. He swore to me and he promised to me, and I know that his promises are yes and amen. I'm secure in this place. Saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back 
there. He says it multiple times. Bring my son to the place of the promise. I'm banking on this promise. And so parents, I just want to tell you, stay in the belief of the promise. God, you said that if I would serve you, that if I would raise up a child in the way that it should go, that when it's old, it will not depart from you. God, I'm banking on your promises. I'm pleading for you. I'm interceding right now, Jesus. I'm asking you that you would be good on what you said. So we're, we're, we're promising, or, or God's promising and we're believing. I just want to encourage our hope this morning. Go into the prayer room. Remind God of his promises. God, we took an oath. Come on, God, I need you to, to deliver on your end. Not that God needs us to remind him, but man, there's something about just coming and engaging in the presence of the Lord. Just going after this thing together. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham, and he swore an oath to him concerning his master. I think there's something about Abraham where he just has a little extra stamina to hang in the game. Would any of you just be willing to admit sometimes you just get tired? And I'm tired of hanging on in this marriage. And I'm tired of having the same conversation. And I'm tired of just what this sort of reality. I'm tired of... Man, come on, I'm tired of not getting this breakthrough, and I'm tired of not seeing the promise fulfilled, and I'm getting weary here, Lord. Hope deferred is making my heart sick. I need to see some promises fulfilled here. I need to see some breakthrough. Abraham now, very old in life, is just hanging tough. Albert Einstein said this, he says, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with the problem longer. Stay with it a little bit longer. Wrestle through it one more day. Can you engage one more week, one more month? God, I got enough energy. I'm going to go one more time. I want to still want to encourage you. Somebody out there, don't give up yet. The story's not over yet. And God, the master storyteller, who is the author, he will be the finisher, not you. Don't finish it and, and quit. The story's not over. And the best part of any story is the hook. When it comes back around, you're like, oh, God, it's about to do something good. Stay with it a little bit longer. And let's just believe, will God not do a breakthrough? So in Genesis 24, let's drop down to the end of the story. I'll just tell you how the story goes. The, the, the servant comes up and he says, God, I need to like figure out which one this is going to be. And so if, if you'll do this, whenever I walk up, that there will be uh, the ladies, they're all coming out to get water for their camels. And the one who says, if I ask her for a drink, she'll give me a drink and then offer to water all of my camels as well. And he had 10, okay? Camels drink a lot. From what I hear, I've never seen it happen. But camels are going to drink a lot. Times 10, he says, if that woman is willing to serve all of these camels, then I'll know. And it turns out, that it's Rebecca. Genesis 24, verse 61. Then Rebecca and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels. They came back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and he left. Now Isaac had come from Ber Lahi Roy. Okay, so Isaac is living in Ber Lahi Roy. So this is a different place than where his father is living in Beersheba. He was living in Negev. Okay, so we know that they're not living in the same place. The Bible tells us this. He went out into the field one evening to meditate. This word meditate actually means to pace and that he's worried. And he's just kind of bummed. He's, 
that it's like a heavy meditation. He's frustrated, maybe perhaps cast down. He's thinking, he's meditating, he's just kind of wandering around this desert wilderness area. Let's also take on Isaac's perspective. Isaac now has been disconnected. His mom is dead. He's not living with his dad. He's kind of out on his own, and he's living in a wilderness. Anybody ever felt like that? Not with my dad. Mom is gone. I feel like I'm in a wilderness, and I'm just kind of walking around, and it's heavy. It's a heavy moment. Isaac had come, okay, verse 63. He went out into the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up, and she saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master. The servant answered. Check this out from the servant's perspective. He hasn't seen Isaac in a minute. Now, on their way back, returning him to Abraham to a different place. They're going to walk back to Beersheba. Walking through a different place, coming from Beer Leroy. Here comes Isaac just walking around. And she's seizing from afar. Who is that man? Golly. Who is that man? That's Isaac. That's the man. That's your man. It's, it's my man. He's the man. And he's here. Just walking around. In this moment, God's going to meet him in this wilderness place with another promise that his father was banking on, that his father sent out, that his father hung in the game, that his father just stayed with the problem a little bit longer. He didn't punt the problem. He embraced it and went hard after it. I still have a role and a responsibility here, and God will see this thing through. Berle Haroi. It's the place, it's mentioned a couple different times in Scripture, but one of the other places that it's mentioned is in Genesis chapter 16. In Genesis chapter 16, God makes a promise to Abraham that he'll be the father of many nations. Abraham is at Bear Leharoi when he receives this promise, and here's Isaac. After all the stuff that went on in his life, he's like, I just need to go back to the land of promise. I just need to go back to where God initiated something in our family, God started curving his heart back to him, saying, remember, there's some promises. And if I could encourage you this morning, let's come back to the promises of God that are solid, that are secure, that are yes, that God is good on. He's calling you back to drink from the well of promise. Genesis 16, we now see it here again. Berle Haroi literally means the well of him that lives and sees me. Or another one, another translation, the well of the vision of life. And if I could encourage you to drink from the well of the vision of life this morning, let's get a vision, let's lift our head, I want to encourage your heart, let's lift our eyes. There is a Rebecca that's coming. Rebecca, there is an Isaac that is out there. There is something that we can bank on that we can hope for. And in our darkest hour of need, God shines the brightest. He brings us back to this well to drink from the promises of God. And so... Isaac is just kind of meandering and wondering about heavy meditation in the place of God's promises. It now comes full circle. Check this out. Not only full circle to bear Leroy, but it's going to come full circle 
to Beersheba, which is the well of the promise. So Genesis chapter 26, can you just flip over one page? Genesis 26 and verse 23, from there he, meaning Isaac, from there he went to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. For I am with you, I will bless you, I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. How many of y'all would love to see the kids just turn and call on the name of the Lord? God, would you return them to your promises? Would you return them to the wealth of your oaths and your promises that you've made? Return them home and bring them back to Beersheba. And he turns and he builds an altar and calls upon the name of the Lord. And there he pitched his tent. And there he had dug wells for his servant. There is a place that they keep getting called back to, being called back to the promises of God. Here's a promise of God that I'm banking on. It's Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. God, I'm banking on that promise. God, I'm banking on that I'm training my children right now in the way they should go. David and Katie, you got that little baby. You got little Reese in your arms. I just want to tell you there are some promises of God that he has over Reese's life and over you as parents, that if you will do this and train them, that when they grow and as they're getting old, they will not depart, they will turn back to it. And God, we're asking you, for many in here, that you would turn their hearts back to God. Check this out in verse 25. Isaac built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord. Um, in the, and he pitched his tent, verse 28. It says, the people said, we saw clearly that the Lord is with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm, just as we did you no harm, but also treated you well, and we sent you away peacefully, and now you are blessed by the Lord. Isaac then made a feast for them. Interesting, he starts taking on some of the characteristics of his dad. An extravagant party. He's going to throw a party and be the host. He's going to turn back and start acting like his father here. Start acting like this host. He throws a feast for them. They ate and they drank. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. And then Isaac sent them on their way and they went away peacefully. That day, Isaac's servants came and they told him about the well that they had dug. And they said, we have found water. And they called it Sheba. And to this day, the name of the town is Beersheba. What a story of restoration. And church family, I just want to encourage us, hang in the game. We're going to pray for our stamina this morning. We're going to pray for our energy to stay in there. Do what you know to do. You say, man, they have turned and they have gone in different directions. And, and we're not just talking about little kids anymore. Perhaps we're talking about adult children. And it's just hard to go back and get the adult child's heart. I just want to tell you, do what you know to do, Abraham. Keep being the father. Keep bringing the love. Keep bringing the energy. Keep hosting the parties. Keep inviting them to Christmas. Keep doing the stuff. Stay engaged in the relationship. And let's just see if God will not deliver on his end of the bargain and his promises that he will restore all things. I want to encourage our hearts this morning. Stay in the game. Amen. Would you all stand with me this morning? We're going to close in prayer. And here's what I want us to do. If you've got a name of somebody, maybe it's a, it's a spouse, it's a friend, it's a coworker, it's a child, prophetically, 
as if you can just hold them in your hand. Can you just lift them to Jesus with me? I've got one in my hand right now, and I'm just lifting them to the Lord. God, I'm just lifting this name before you, God. And you see it. You see this name. And church family, would you just pray with me right now? Let's just pray. Come on, Jesus. We just ask you for salvation. Go ahead and just ask him. Jesus, we're asking you to turn the heart. Jesus, we're asking you to give me stamina to stay in this relationship. God, I'm praying right now. Come on, church family, just start praying. Go for it. Let's pray. Jesus, we're asking you for a miracle. Come on, God, do what only you can do. God, we're not seeing any breakthrough. You're the God of breakthrough. You can do it. We're trusting and believing in you, Jesus. Would you just return them back to the well? God, return and restore our family. God, I pray that you would restore what the enemy has lost. What the enemy has stolen, God. We pray that what has been, been lost and stolen, that you would restore. And so, God, you see every person that's lifted here before you. And, God, we're asking you for breakthrough. We're asking you for salvation. God, I pray that you would strengthen hearts. Those that are weary and tired and exhausted, I pray that they would stay, in the prob- stay with the problem. They'd stay with in the game just a little bit longer. And, God, we pray for salvation, that it would move, that you would start, start acting upon our behalf. Jesus, we ask you that you would start moving in the lives of our kids and our families and our coworkers and people around us. God, do a supernatural work and we just pray a blessing upon our church family God that they would stay in the game with an energy and a zest and God we just honor you that you're good we just praise you Jesus Jesus we just exalt you just praise him church we just praise you this morning Jesus that you're good that you're faithful and you've made promises and you're not a God that will 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 be lack on his promises but you will deliver and we just thank you Jesus and we bless you this morning We thank you for salvation, and we honor you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.